Buenos dias. Good morning. Please turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Por favor, abran la poderosa a Marcos capítulo 6. Marcos capítulo 6. Amen. Today we, uh, we celebrate uh, who we are. One church, one north, two languages, multicultures, worshiping God together. Amen. Hoy es una mañana de una formación espiritual, celebramos celebrando quién somos. Una iglesia, dos lenguajes y diversas culturas alabando a Dios junto. Today, our, also, we celebrate our Hispanic Heritage Month. And uh, we want to acknowledge that. Uh, and the great connections we all have one way or another uh, from someone from those cultures. Amen? Estamos en el Evangelio de Marcos, en una serie titulada Empoderar. We're in a sermon series titled Empowered in the Gospel uh, of Mark. And we've been walking with Jesus and seeing these uh, beautiful and challenging encounters between Jesus and those in need and, and Jesus and his, and his disciples. Estamos, hemos visto unos encuentros que nos han conmovido, nos han motivado, encuentros entre gente en necesidad con Jesús, pero también entre los discípulos y Jesús. Empower. You know, at the, I want to say a couple things here about the Gospel of Mark. Quiero hacer unos comentarios sobre el Evangelio de Marcos. Very quickly in the Gospel of Mark, in fact, chapter 1, verse 1, we are told who Jesus is. He is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the one to come, he is the Son of God. Therefore, you and I, as an audience, we already know who Jesus is. And as we continue reading, here we discover that those who follow Jesus and those who interact with Jesus don't know who he is, or they're not sure or clear on who he is. Therefore, you and I, as readers, know more than those that are interacting with Jesus. And that is intentional to guide us, for us to see how people respond to the mystery and the power and the revelation of who Jesus is. And will they trust and have faith, or will they have fear? and draw away. All that is taking place in the Gospel of Mark. Como hemos visto en el estudio de Marcos, como audiencia, sabemos directamente la identidad de Jesús. ¿Quién es Jesús? Y como hemos visto los personajes que interactúan con Jesús, eso es necesidad, los fariseos o Sus discípulos no saben quién es Jesús, pero nosotros como audiencia sí sabemos. Y eso es intencional en el Evangelio de Marcos para ayudarnos a entender más quién es Jesús. Amén. Everybody keeping up? I'm just saying that so I can take a breather. 
Marcos Capítulo 6 Versículo 45 al 53 Empoderados para reconocer Empowered to recognize Him nos dice el Evangelio quién es para que tengamos el poder y la habilidad para reconocer a Dios. So, one of the goals I think of Mark is to empower us to be able to recognize who Jesus is. Ironically, the ones who often fail to recognize Jesus are the disciples. Irónicamente, son los discípulos los que constantemente no pueden o quieren reconocer a Jesús. Therefore, this makes this gospel a check your pride at the door gospel. A check your religious pride at the door gospel and be humble to the surprise of Jesus. The Jesus that cannot be controlled, domesticated, reduced to a formula. The Jesus who leads the way calling us to follow. Ese es el evangelio que nos llama a no tener orgullo religioso, pero ser humildes, dejar que Jesús nos diga quién es Él y no nosotros tratar de dictar quién es Jesús. Que Él nos diga quién es y Él nos enseñe cómo a seguirlo. Amén. Antes de que leamos este pasaje, esa es la segunda milagro, el segundo milagro que ocurre en el mar de Galilea. El primero, no sé si lo recuerden, en Marcos 4, donde Jesús controla el viento y las olas. Y por segunda vez en el Evangelio de Marcos, hay un milagro en el mar de Galilea. Y es un patrón que frecuentemente usa Marcos, darnos pares, dos sanaciones, dos milagros en el mar, dos narrativas sobre el pan, dos multiplicación de panes y pescados. Son pares que nos da Marcos para ayudarnos a entender que Dios es Jesús, que Jesús es Dios. And so, one of the patterns we see in Mark is, Mark often gives us pairs, right? This is the, what we're about to read is the second miraculous performance done in the Sea of Galilee. The first one was in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus rebukes and calms the winds and the storms. So it's the second miracle in the Sea of Galilee. And these pairs are intended for us to take note the identity and the power of Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, the human God, Jesus. And so we see 
two miracles in the sea. We see two teachings on bread. We see two times the multiplication of bread and fishes. And so again, these pairings are intended for us as readers to don't miss it. This is important. This is why I'm telling you twice. One in Spanish and one in English. <laughs> Let me go ahead and read in English first. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. Well, he dismissed the crowd. Strict orders, clear direction. After leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. Just like Mark 1, chapter 35, solitary place. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples, take a mental note of this one, straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. Sit on that one. I'm going to read in Spanish. There's no rush when you read scripture. Well, there is, but there shouldn't be. Enseguida Jesús hizo que sus discípulos subieran a la barca y se adelantaran al otro lado, a Bethsaida, mientras él despedía a la multitud. Cuando se despidió, fue a la montaña para orar. Al anochecer, la barca se hallaba en medio del lago y Jesús estaba en tierra solo. En la madrugada, una frase simbólica, vio que los discípulos hacían grandes esfuerzos para remar sus remos, pues tenían el viento en contra. Se acercó a ellos caminando sobre el lago e iba a pasarlos del lago. Let's go ahead and make a mental note of where Jesus sent them to. He sends them ahead to Bethsaida. Go there, I'll meet you there. We'll come back to that point later. But one thing we must note here is how Jesus walks on the water and it says he walks past by them. Typically we read that assuming he wasn't planning to stop. He was planning to go ahead and see them there. That's what passing by sounds like. Maybe that is the case. However, this term, pass by, is an imagery term that brings us back to couple of times in the Old Testament, God said, you want to know if I'm close to you? I'm going to pass by. Can you think when in the Old Testament and to who God said, I'm going to pass by? 
Vamos a hacer una nota mental sobre el destino. ¿Dónde los mandó? Los mandó a esta ciudad de Becerra y regresamos a hacer esa nota. Pero vamos a ver esta frase al final que dice que Jesús iba a pasar, a pasarlos de largo. Típicamente leemos esa escritura asumiendo de que no iba a llegar con ellos, pero iba a pasar. Pero esta frase, voy a pasar, es una frase con, una imagina, con imágenes del Antiguo Testamento que nos invocan memorias donde Dios se hace presente. Los que conocen las Escrituras, ¿recuerdas un evento, una persona en el Antiguo Testamento que Dios le dijo, ¿quieres saber si estoy cerca de ti? Voy a pasar al lado. So, did you remember who those people were? That imagery? In Exodus chapter 33, as Moses is having a very difficult time serving God's people. That never happens, by the way. <laughs> Moses is petitioning God and is needing encouragement from God. And so God speaks to Moses and says, stand there. I'm going to what? Pass by. So pass by means... I'm present. I'm with you. En Éxodos, Moisés está teniendo un tiempo muy difícil sirviendo al pueblo. No hagan batallar a sus líderes, por favor. The joke is not the same, by the way. It's contextual. Y, y Dios le dice a Moisés, voy a pasar a un lado. Es decir, pasar significa estoy presente, estoy cerca. So when Jesus, when the scripture tells us Jesus was going to pass by, what does that mean? He's near. Okay, what does all this mean? ¿Qué significa todo esto? Well, God gives us direction all the time, doesn't he? And sometimes he sends us ahead of him. And then it gets a little complicated and you feel like, where is God? I am all alone in the middle of the lake with these fools. And I'm struggling. You ever been there? You ever feel the absence of God. Let me say that again. Do you ever feel the absence of God? Has estado en esta situación donde sientes la ausencia de Dios? No importa lo que crees, pero lo que sientes en ese momento. ¿Dónde estás? But Jesus sees them in their need. Walks on water to pass by. To be with in their... Dios los ve en su necesidad, en medio del lago, del mar 
con sus esfuerzos, sintiéndose solos y la ausencia de Dios. ¿Y qué hace Dios? Camina y pasa, se hace presente con ellos. That's who God is. God sees your needs. You are seen. Dios te ve. Ve tus necesidades. Y va hacia ti a pasar. Que significa revelar su presencia en tu desolación. So Jesus passes by revealing his presence in your time and situation of need. How does it make you feel to know there is a God who sees you, who comes to you, who reveals himself to you again and again? Don't you have a handful of memories like that already? Well, you can look back and reflect and say, wow, God, I think that was God. God was there. I didn't know it at the time, but when I remember now, oh, now I see him. Because sometimes in our reflection, that's when the passing by takes place and you see how God has been present all along, which should inform your decision making in your presence, in your present now. You with me? Todos tenemos estas situaciones que podemos recordar, reflexionar y ver, oh, en verdad sí estaba Dios conmigo. No lo sentí en el momento, no lo vi, no lo entendí, no creí, pero ahora que recuerdo, veo que sí pasó Dios por ahí. Y esa memoria debería de empoderarnos a tomar mejores decisiones en el presente. And so this should empower us to learn to recognize God, not just in reflection, but in the present, when things aren't going well. You with me? First Kings. When Elijah was having a hard time, God made him some chilaquiles and told him to take a nap. <laughs> and then God said, I'm going to pass by. What did that mean? I want you to know, in your turmoil, in your cave, or in your middle of the ocean, or your you can't stand people situation like Moses, I see you. I'm with you. Así como Elías, en su cueva de desánimo, Dios dice, voy a pasar por ahí. Te veo en tu cueva, te veo en medio del mar, te veo en tus retos con otra gente en el desierto, Voy a pasar ahí porque estoy contigo. So we typically read a passage like this focused on what happened. But today we're reading it as what does it say? Are you with me right here? 
Típicamente leemos una escritura así basado en qué pasó, pero ahorita la estamos leyendo en qué es lo que en verdad dice. Moving on. Versículo 49 al 52. Los discípulos, al verlo caminar sobre el agua, creyeron que este sí es el Mesías. No, creyeron que era un fantasma y se pusieron a gritar, llenos de miedo por lo que veían. Pero él habló enseguida con ellos y les dijo, cálmense, soy yo, no tengan miedo. Subió entonces a la barca con ellos y el viento se calmó. Estaban sumamente asombrados porque tenían la mente embotada y no habían comprendido lo de los panes, un milagro que acaba de pasar. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, you are the son of God. Nope. They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were full of faith. We're terrified, which makes the disciples a lot more relatable to me, and I'm sure to you too. Immediately, he spoke to them in their hour of need and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them. The wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. What? A miracle had just taken place. They really didn't believe. And now, for the first time, the disciples are described like the Pharisees, like Pharaoh in the past, of having hard hearts. Por primera vez, los discípulos que acaban de ser nombrados y enviados, son descritos como personas que tienen la mente embotada. Otra manera de decir, corazones endurecidos. So the disciples are getting exposed here. They didn't follow direction. Actually, we'll get to that. They don't recognize them. They're full of fear. And even when Jesus comes on to the boat, they have an attitude. You ever been there? Yes. Is that who you are? That's not who you are. That's not who you were created to be. A hard-hearted person that just complains and is alone, and it has a victim in time. No, that's not who you were called to be. There's a God who sees your pain, who comes to you, who jumps in your boat to be with you, 
And that should soften your heart about who God really is. El corazón endurecido de estos, de, de, de estos no cambia desafortunadamente, aunque Jesús los vio en su necesidad, vino para con ellos y se subió a la barca. No seamos ese tipo de persona, no seas así porque fuiste creado y creada para tener una relación con Dios, no un corazón endurecido con Dios. Let's move on here. This reference to walking on water is another image of the Old Testament. In the Greek world and in the Gospel world, the ocean is the place of death and chaos. And so Jesus, like the imagery of what God does in the Old Testament, walks on water, signaling to us he is the God. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. Same thing in Psalms 77, and you can take note of those passages, and also in Job. So constantemente en Isaías, en Job, that's how you say Job in Spanish, Job, en Job y Salmos, vemos como Jesús es identificado como Dios, el único que puede controlar el mar que simbólicamente representa la muerte, el caos, lo que no se puede controlar, Jesús lo controla. What can't be controlled, Jesus controls. So what's happening? This is an appearance scripture where Jesus set it all up to show up so they can see, I am God. He says, go over there. I'm going to pass by, which is planned, so that you can see me walking on water and respond to me with faith. Oh, my goodness, you really are God. Let's go with you. So put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a little bit. You set this hole up. You're about to propose. And the response is, Lisa goes, ah! And then you get in the boat and they're, they're mad at you. Whoa. Isn't that the human condition though? To one God when we need him, but not really want God when he's calling us to be. Vemos aquí la condición del ser humano que quiere que Dios lo ayude, pero no quiere seguir a Dios. Dios, Jesús aquí está coordinando toda esta escena para revelarse a ellos que en verdad es Dios, pero no lo reconocen por miedo. Let's close this out and we'll take communion. But when they saw him walking on the lake, oh, sorry, I want to highlight there. He climbed on the boat with them. Isn't that cool? Even in our hard heart, don't believe, don't recognize, 
he still climbs in the boat with you. Would you do that? I probably wouldn't. Unfriend, like right there. Unfollow, right? But what does Jesus do? He still comes to you. Though you didn't want him. Revealing how different God is than you. Dios se sube entonces a la barca con ellos, para estar con ellos, a pesar de que no creyeron, que no tenían un buen corazón y tenían actitud. A pesar de eso, Jesús se sube a la barca con ellos, demostrándonos quién es Dios, que Él no juzga y ve como nosotros juzgamos y vemos. We close this passage. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. Remember where they were supposed to go? As soon as they got out of the boat, people, not the disciples, recognized Jesus. And then it goes on to describe how they came to Jesus for healing. Y dice aquí, después de cruzar al lago, llegaron a la tierra de Gennesaret. Y a, a, atracaron allí, al bajar ellos de la barca, la gente enseguida que reconoció a Jesús. So they were supposed to go to Bethsaida. They didn't make it. The disciples didn't recognize Jesus, but the people did. Sometimes Christians, followers of God, believers of God, don't recognize God at work like non-Christians recognize God at work. So we need to check our religious pride at the door when reading Mark because we identify with the hard-hearted, slow to, to believe, full of fear disciples. And we are humbled by those who actually do recognize God. The call of discipleship is a call to be humble and to be committed to God. You know, for those in the campus ministry, if you're studying the Bible for the first time, you're engaging with true Christians for the first time. Take this opportunity. 20 years ago, I had that opportunity. Many of us in this church had that opportunity at that age to truly understand and commit and live the life of a true follower of God. Take that opportunity. And so this needs to call us to be constantly humble and be more open to recognizing God's presence. God's presence, amen? Irónicamente, los discípulos no llegan a su destino de Becerra, llegan a otro lugar, y la gente, bueno, los que reconocen a Jesús, los discípulos no. Nuestro orgullo religioso no cabe en el Evangelio de Marcos. El Evangelio de Marcos nos llama a tener una humildad permanente en seguir a Jesús, que son los de afuera que reconocen a Jesús, no los de adentro, humillándonos a nosotros como seguidores 
de continuar ser humildes a tratar de reconocer a Jesús. All right. So, where were they going? They were going there. Where did they end up? ¿A dónde iban? Ahí. ¿Dónde terminaron? Acá. They were straining at the oars. Iban remando. Because the wind was what? Against them. El viento estaba qué? En contra de ellos. So, where was the wind going? ¿Para dónde iba el aire? El viento. El viento iba para Bethsaida. The wind was towards Bethsaida. And what were they doing? Straining at the wars against the wind. Remando en contra del viento. What is Mark telling you about you? ¿Qué te está diciendo Marcos sobre ti? Jesus says, Bethsaida, I'm going to pass by, hooked you up with wind. Get the sails going, baby. The winds of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Dios les da el viento para que pongan las velas, pero deciden razonar, desobedecer, ir en contra del viento, contra de la dirección, lugar equivocado, con su esfuerzo. I think you understood that one. So this, again, it's a humbling moment because think about the times. God says, go, I'll meet you there. Believe, I'll meet you there. Trust, I'll meet you there. Give, I'll meet you there. Sacrifice, I'll meet you there. Say no now until the right time, the right way, under my will. Dios les da todo lo que necesita. Dirección, su presencia, viento, compañía y desobedece. Somos nosotros estos. We find ourselves here. Now, what did Jesus do? He walked on the lake. It's me, God. Ah, you're a ghost. All right, I'll, let me just help you out. Let me be with you a little longer. And he got, jumps in the boat with them. And does Jesus say, turn it around and go where I told you? They end up going. Jesus actually goes with them the wrong Direction. Jesús se sube al barco, a la barca, pero ¿qué hace? Les da la vuelta, no. Se va con ellos a la dirección mal. That needs to humble us. God, I know when I'm prideful, when I'm wrong, when I'm disobedient, when I just don't want to try, just, when I just want to live my life, and I just want to ignore you. Let me get my oars and try really hard to turn you off so I can 
be me and live for me will I criticize others and even in that state Jesus jumps on the boat and goes with you wrong direction why to be with you to meet you where you're at even in your pride they make it to Bethsaida in chapter 8 now they have to walk all the way around and Jesus life is threatened again in chapter 7 with the Pharisees the disciples complicate the ministry of Jesus they're the biggest obstacle for Jesus in the gospel of Mark that's right us the world what about us there's no double life here there's no hypocrisy there's no sexual immorality in God's people but we often complicate the mission of God because we continue to choose our way and we hurt ourselves we derail God's plans and we hinder others constantemente estamos complicando la misión y la vida de Jesús que él nos dice a dónde ir pero no le hacemos caso a pesar de eso a pesar de que estamos mal a pesar de que no estamos vamos al lugar equivocado a pesar de que tenemos orgullo él se sube a la barca con nosotros y va con nosotros al destino equivocado ¿por qué? para estar con nosotros espero eso nos humille nos humilde más tengamos más humildad para reconocer y obedecer y creer más rápido amén so let's take communion. What did God say to you today? How does God see you today? What are your human efforts to disobey God? And how is God passing by? Here's a hint. You're here today hearing this. And what does it mean that despite all of that, he jumps on the boat with you to meet you where you're at and get you back to where he's going. How does that speak to you? What does that call you to say to someone after church? What does that call you to do this week? Think about that. Para concluir, vamos a tomar comunión. Reconociendo que muchas veces no obedecemos, no creemos, no confiamos, pero a pesar de todo eso, Jesús se sube a la barca. Entonces, ¿qué te conmueve esta escritura? ¿Qué te dice esta escritura? ¿A qué te está invitando Dios a obedecer y a poner en práctica ya, hoy? And so as we take communion, we see our role of going the wrong way, of having bad attitudes, but still wanting the blessing. And yet, we also celebrate 
the death and resurrection, that he does come into our boat. God comes into our existence as a human to share in our humanity, to walk with us, to liberate us. So we recognize who we are and we recognize and celebrate who God is. We take communion as a way of formation so that we can be who he calls us to be, not what we want to do. Tomamos la comunión como una formación espiritual de reconocer quién nos ha llamado Jesús a ser y a dejar a un lado nuestras costumbres de desobediencia. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to be able to perhaps find something new from a familiar passage. We take communion today recognizing our stubbornness, but also us being in the middle of the sea, in need. And we celebrate in taking communion that you are the God who passes by, who makes yourself known, and you jump into our boat despite our disobedience. You ride it out with us to free us. Te reconocemos, Dios, que a pesar de nuestra desobediencia, te unes con nosotros para rescatarnos. Tomamos esta comunión como una manera de reflexionar, de formación y celebración de quién eres tú. We love you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.